Good morning, everyone, and it's a joy to be with you today and share this Sunday service together. I am Naya Swami Maria, and with me is Naya Swami Ananta, and also our speaker, guest speaker today, Erin Venako. She'll give the inspirational talk. And uh, <clears throat> wanted to just wish you all a blessed season, and may all the activities you engage in, the opportunities, the meditations, be bathed in the Christ Consciousness and the Divine Light. I will read now from Rays of the One Light, and these are commentaries based on the Bhagavad Gita, readings from the Bhagavad Gita and the Bible. Uh, written by Swami Kriyananda. <clears throat> and this week the topic is entitled, The Divine Ascension. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14, we read, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What is this I, when spoken by a master, who has conquered every vestige of ego-consciousness. Therein lies the mystery of true scriptural teaching. That I, that is no I, does it even exist? In what way is it different from the consciousness that animates other human beings? Jesus was not saying, look at me, don't look at other masters. He was saying, rather, look at the divine self that is the essence of who you are, your very self. You are that I. No man cometh unto the divine consciousness except by first recognizing his own intrinsic divinity, hidden behind his delusive ego. The Bhagavad Gita in the fourth chapter states, O son of Pritha, Arjuna, in whatever way people accept me, in that same way do I appear them. For all men in some way pursue the path to me. Meditate on the divine incarnations, their lives, and the consciousness animating them will be your stairway to the infinite. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. 
Good morning, everyone. Even though I can't see you, I know you're there. And it really is such a sweet blessing to be together in this way, given the circumstances. I wanted to start this morning, as always, with a reading from Whispers from Eternity. But I chose the poem Samadhi, which is a little longer than the usual Whispers reading, but in some ways this year has seemed a little longer than all the other years, and I thought <laughs> this would be a good way to end. And also because it really captures that I that is no I. And I didn't feel I could really do it justice without reading the whole thing. So I'll read it to you and really focus on that I as it's spoken of in this poem. Vanish the veils of light and shade, lifted every vapor of sorrow, sailed away all dawns of fleeting joy, gone the dim sensory mirage. Love, hate, health, disease, life, death, Perish these false shadows on the screen of duality. Waves of laughter, scillas of sarcasm, melancholic whirlpools melting in the vast sea of bliss. The storm of Maya stilled by magic wand of intuition deep. The universe forgotten dream subconsciously lurks, ready to invade my newly wakened memory divine. I live without the cosmic shadow, but it is not bereft of me. As the sea exists without the waves, but they breathe not without the sea. Dreams, wakings, states of deep durya, sleep, present, past, future, no more for me, but ever present, all flowing, I, I, everywhere. Planets, stars, stardust, earth, volcanic bursts of doomsday cataclysms, creation's molding furnace, glaciers of silent x-rays, burning electron floods, thoughts of all men, past, present, to come, every blade of grass, myself, mankind, each particle of universal dust, Anger, greed, good, bad, salvation, lust, I swallowed, transmuted all into a vast ocean of blood of my own one being. Smoldering joy, off-puffed by meditation, blinding my tearful eyes, burst into immortal flames of bliss, consume my tears, my frame, my all. Thou art I. I am thou. Knowing, knower, known as one. Tranquil, unbroken thrill, eternally living, ever new peace. Enjoyable beyond imagination of expectancy, samadhi, bliss. Not a mental chloroform or unconscious state without willful return. Samadhi but extends my conscious realm beyond the limits of the mortal frame, 
to farthest boundary of eternity, where I, the cosmic sea, watch the little ego floating in me. The sparrow, each grain of sand, fall not without my sight. All space like an iceberg floats within my mental sea. Colossal container I of all things made. By deeper, longer, thirsty, guru-given meditation comes this celestial samadhi. Mobile murmurs of atoms are heard. The dark earth, mountains, veils, low, molten liquid. Flowing seas change into vapors of nebulae. Om blows upon the vapors, opening wondrously their veils. Oceans stand revealed, shining electrons, till at last sound of the cosmic drum, vanish the grosser lights into eternal rays of all-pervading bliss. From joy I came, for joy I live, in sacred joy I melt. Ocean of mind, I drink all creation's waves. Four veils of solid, liquid, vapor, light, lift aright. Myself, in everything, enters the great myself. Gone forever, fitful, flickering shadows of mortal memory. Spotless is my mental sky, below, ahead, and high above. Eternity and I, one united ray, a tiny bubble of laughter, I am become the sea of mirth itself. Jai Guru. Paramahansa Yogananda recommended that we learn and read that poem every day as a reminder of who and what we really are and that divine consciousness. The topic this morning is the divine ascension. It's that journey back to that oneness, back to that cosmic consciousness. And the masters come to remind us. We've just celebrated the birth of Jesus. And what a wonderful reminder, as Swamiji said, they'd come not to show us how great they are, but to remind us of our own greatness, of who we really are, that divine spark of infinity and it can seem a long journey at times. It can seem a far distance from where we are in our human consciousness to where they are in their divine consciousness and that samadhi. But as someone once said, the spiritual path is only three feet long. It's from the base, base of the spine to the spiritual eye. And in some ways the journey is even shorter. It's from ego consciousness to that super consciousness. And so we make that journey by Remembering, it's a process of remembering and recognizing our own intrinsic divinity. And uh, I remember the very first Sunday service I came to here at Ananda Village. Naya Swami Ananda was giving the service and he mentioned Swami Satchidananda who used to visit here and visit Swami. And he had a little couplet that he would say, everyone is an avatar, who are you? And it's always stuck with me. <laughs> never forgotten that. Everyone is an avatar. Who are you? God, what a wonderful reminder. Because who are we? We are children of God. Even if we don't remember, maybe we're not in that consciousness right now, but it's still true. Everyone is an avatar. We are children of God 
and we have only to remember. So how do we remember with practice and through experience, through our meditation, through withdrawing from the ego consciousness? We go through the world thinking that we are this body and this job and this relationship and we just have a case of mistaken identity. We think that we are a human being and occasionally we're having a spiritual experience, but it's actually the reverse. We're a spiritual being and we're here having a human experience. And so we have to practice identifying more with the spirit. We withdraw from our daily life in meditation and we practice Hong saw, I am spirit. The very first practice that Yogananda brought us. I am spirit, I am he. Blessed spirit, I am he. We go into that stillness and we practice identifying more with that spirit than with the outer life. And it takes practice, it takes time. And yet it can come in an instant, that realization. We think you know, we practice and we think, when will I find God? And even Yogananda asked this in Autobiography of a Yogi in the chapter on cosmic consciousness of all chapters. He goes to Sri Yukteswar towards the end of that chapter and he asks him, when will I find God? And Sri Yukteswar says, you've found him. You have him already. And Yogananda says, oh no, sir, I don't think so. And Sri Yukteswar says, I'm sure you aren't expecting a venerable personage adorning a throne in some antiseptic corner of the cosmos. Which, of course, we can laugh a little at this, but in a way it's a knowing laughter because many of us do think of God in that way, that he's very distant and separate from us, and when will, he find, when will we find him? When will he come to us? But it's a trick. He's here already. He's who we are. He's part of who we are. He made us. We're children of God. The Bhagavad Gita gives us additional reassurance in this quote from today. In whatever way people accept me, in that same way do I appear to them. For all men in some way pursue the path to me. There's many ways to get to the top of that mountain of divine ascension, but we're all traveling by one path or another. We're all traveling that same journey to get to the top, to return to that awareness of who we really are, to that divine joy. Later on in that chapter, Sri Teshwar says, God is ever new joy. And it's that joy that we're seeking in whatever way we might be seeking it. Everyone's seeking happiness. They might not know they're looking for God yet, but they are, and they'll find their way. There was an example uh, in Swami Kriyananda's life. A man came to him and said, I'm an atheist, and you talk about God. Can you explain God in a way that makes sense to me? And so Swami thought for a moment, and he said, why don't you think of him as the highest potential you can imagine for yourself. The man thought for a moment, he was surprised. He said, I can live with that, I can accept that. 
So God can come to us in whatever way we accept him, even an atheist. We're all on that path back home to our true self, to our highest potential, which is that bliss, which is that joy. There's another encouraging example from the life of St. Augustine. I was reading about him recently and I was surprised to find out he did not live a very saintly life for most of his life. He, even as a little boy, he talked about going into the neighbor's yard to steal fruit, not to eat it, but just for the joy of stealing it. So uh, he didn't start out very saintly, <laughs> all that to say. And uh, his life goes on and he is very absorbed in material desire and sense pleasures and seeking fame and fortune in whatever way that he can at all costs. And as I was reading, I just, it was an absolute page turner, let's just say, because I just couldn't imagine how is he gonna turn out to be a saint? <laughs> and I think in some ways, that's how the masters <laughs> are watching us. You know, they watch all the things that we do and all the ways that we turn in the world looking. And how is this, you know, the, but they know how it's gonna turn out. They know that we'll find our way back. But it's encouraging for all of us. And as we look around in the world, maybe we see some people that aren't so saintly and we wonder how on earth could they possibly be on the path to God, as the Bhagavad Gita says. But as Yogananda said, a saint is a sinner who never gave up. And St. Augustine did become a Christian and had a very profound impact on Christian thinking through his writing. So there's hope for all of us yet because we all have that divine spark within us. We are that divine incarnation. We might not know it, we might not realize it fully yet, but it's there. We'll find our way back. So how else can we remember who we are? How do we remember that? We have this week the practice of high-mindedness, the quality of high-mindedness, which is I will see goodness in everything. I will see goodness in everything. That's the consciousness of the masters. That's the divine consciousness. We look around at the world and we don't necessarily see goodness in everything, but we're looking, how are we looking? We're looking from ego consciousness, not from that divine consciousness. And so high-mindedness is an invitation to attune to the consciousness of the masters. As Swami said, meditate, on the divine incarnations, especially their consciousness. Stay in attunement as we go through our lives. Try to see as they would see. There is an example, uh, maybe you've heard this joke, but I'll tell it anyways. There's a young couple who moved into their dream house and they were sitting down to a meal at their kitchen table and the wife looked out the window and she saw her neighbor was putting out her laundry. And she said, oh my goodness, look at that woman's laundry, it's filthy. Someone has got to talk to her and tell her how to do her laundry properly, it's just, just dirty. And the husband didn't say anything. And so a couple days later, they were sitting down again to their meal and she looked out the window and again saw the neighbor was putting out her laundry and she again exclaimed, oh my goodness, her laundry is so clean, someone must have talked to her and told her how to do her laundry properly. 
And the husband, without even raising his head from the meal, said, actually, I got up early and cleaned the window. And that dirty window is that ego consciousness. We look around at the world and we don't see goodness, and we think the world isn't good, that it's, you know, that things are not happening as they should. But we have to clean our window. The masters, God sees the world through a clear, clean window, that clear consciousness. And so that's our job, is to work to keep our consciousness clear and to see from that place. Uh, Krishna Das, the devotee of Neem Karoli Baba, talked about uh, going to a saint in India once. It was just after his guru had died. And he asked the guru, how can I be closer to my guru? And he said the saint looked at him as if he were crazy and said, what's looking out of your eyes right now is your guru. The way that you see the world, your eyes right now, your, your guru is looking through you. And so what a beautiful reminder as we go through our days, what would master see? How would he see this person, this situation? How would Swami see this situation, this circumstance, what's happening to me, or how this person's behaving? What would they see? It's a wonderful challenge to try and see in that way, to look for goodness. There's an example from the life of a man named Jacques Lucerin, who was a hero of the French resistance during World War II. He was only 17, and that in itself is amazing, but what I found really incredible was the description of his earlier life. When he was a child, at the age of eight, he became blind as a result of an accident. And the description that he gave of what it was like to be blind and then to regain his sight. He talks about, at first, trying to see in the same way by looking through his eyes, but it didn't work, and so he wasn't able to see anything. And then he realized he was looking in the wrong way. And he started to look more from within. And when he did that, he was flooded with light. And the whole world, everything gained shape and substance again and form. And he could see from that inner light, he could see again. And that in itself is a beautiful example of how we need to try to see from within. But what he mentions is that light was with him through his whole life, except when he was afraid, when he was angry, or when he was upset, or when, as a boy, for example, he was playing with the other children and he became competitive. Everything went dark and he became truly blind. And that, to me, is a real reminder of what's really happening. We become angry, negative, fearful. We look around in the world and we think we're seeing reality, but we're not. We're blind in a way because we've disconnected from that divine consciousness, from that ability to see the goodness, to see God in everything. I'd like to share one last story. This is of a parent that I met recently 
through the program that um, is being started, Conscious Families. And uh, I've been giving some online classes and I met this woman in one of the first classes. And the assignment I gave everyone was to look for the light. That was their invitation, their homework assignment, was to go home and look for light moments, moments of joy, of goodness with their children. Just observe and look for that goodness to see what would happen. And so this woman came back, she signed up for the second series of classes, and she said she was completely amazed. She couldn't believe how simple that practice was, and yet it completely shifted her perspective. It completely shifted the way that she was relating to her children. It was so touching, and she was motivated to come back again. And so she came to another class I had in the morning, and we started the class by going around and everyone sharing a little bit about uh, their favorite thing about their child. So, you know, no matter what uh, difficulties or problems they might be having, everyone was able to think of some wonderful quality of their child and share that, and it was really sweet. And she came again to the class I had that evening, and she said, I want to keep doing that every morning because it completely changed the day that I had, the way that we interacted and the way that I perceived their behavior and, and what was happening. Just by setting that intention at the beginning of the day to see goodness, to see that positive behavior and that, those positive qualities. And so it's an invitation to all of us to look for the light, to look for the goodness. Just the effort of looking can help to raise our consciousness, even if we don't see it at first, just to look. So I invite you to take that experiment on, even if just for a day, just to see what will happen, to look for goodness in the people around you and the circumstances around you. Even something simple as seeing goodness in nature, seeing beauty, seeing kindness, it's so simple, but it's there. We just have to look for it. We just have to make that effort. So as we look for that goodness and that kindness, we come back again and again to that goodness within ourselves because what we look for, we strengthen in ourselves. We can't see outside of us something that's not already there in some little way inside of us, that spark of divinity. Everyone is an avatar. Who are you? So make that effort. It's been a very long year for some of us and many not so good things. But as a challenge, look back. Look for the good things. Look for the good things that you've done, that you've seen others do. And keep that as your focus as you go forward. I'd like to end with a few words by Paramahansa Yogananda. He says, the good things you have done and their effects on the past and present are your richest treasures. By recalling only good things, you will find yourself surrounded by angelic thoughts and you will begin to recall all the forgotten goodness hidden in your subconscious and superconscious minds. Eventually, you will recall your pure self, the image of God within you, long screened off behind your mortal forgetfulness. May we all remember who and what we truly are. God bless.